This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. Our mission is to spread awareness of the message and divine beauty of the Quran across the world. Support our mission at www.bayina.org. That's B-A-Y-Y-I-N-A-H dot O-R-G. A'udhu Billahi Minash Rajeem. وقالوا اتخذ الله ولدا سبحانه بل له ما في السماوات والأرض كل له قانتون بديع السماوات والأرض وإذا قضى أمرا فإنما يقول له كن فيكون رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي فالحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين ثم أما بعد Another switch in subject, you notice that, you know, on in passing, mushrikun were mentioned, and then the, the qibla hijacking was mentioned, and then now in passing, the Christians were also mentioned, and now Allah will focus on the Christians. And inshallah, when I talk about how the, all of these ayat tie together, I'll, I'll explain this in some more detail. Uh, but now Allah will turn to yet another kind of shirk, and that is committed by the Christians and some elements of the Jews. They said Allah has taken a son. Taking a son is different from having a son. And I brought this up when we first mentioned um, their beliefs, but I'll re- review some of this briefly with you. When there are certain factions of Christianity that believe God literally had a son. Uh, they call him the begotten son. Right? That's very literal graphic language. And uh, that's the kind of blasphemy that's on the one end. Then there are some more subtle forms of Christianity who don't say that God had a son and became the father, but it's closer to what the Romans used to do. The Romans, um, interestingly enough, the Roman emperors, they didn't always choose their son to be the next emperor. So what they used to do was they used to find, because their, their son may be too short or not good looking or not a good warrior or not, like you don't choose the genetics of your son. Your son may or may not be a great leader, may or may not be the qualities you wanted in a son. But in their army, they would find somebody who's, you know, charismatic, handsome, tall, you know, intelligent, and has all the qualities that they would have wanted in a son. And what the Romans used to do is they would say, from this day forth, you are my, I have taken you as a son, and pass kingdom on to them. So the idea was, God chooses, or rather the king chooses, you know, of, of all the things that he's, all the subjects that he has, someone that's good enough to be considered his son and makes them his son and then passes the kingdom on to them too. This was actually a Roman uh, kind of thing found among the Caesars also. So along those lines, somebody said, well, this may be a much better way to explain, uh, you know, God's relationship with Jesus because the whole begotten thing gets too graphic and blasphemous. So maybe just God chose him because he's so awesome and said, well, I've taken him up as my son. The Qur'an says even that's blasphemy. <laughs> because even that suggests that you didn't have control over you know, so much of what you could create or what could have come from you, and so you had to go outside and pick something that was good enough. Kind of thing. That's, that was the rationale that the, that the Romans used to use. So Allah says, Subhanahu, He's too far above that. He's too perfect to be given that kind of a label. Subhanahu or Subhanallah in the Qur'an is an expression that describes, is your reaction to blasphemy. When somebody's blasphemous, they say something inappropriate about Allah, the reaction is, Subhanallah, Subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when shirk is mentioned, Subhanahu wa ta'ala amma yushrikun, Subhanallah amma yushrikun. You know, 
Subhanahu wa ta'ala amma yaquluna uluwan kabira. When they say blasphemous things, you say subhanallah. This is important to note because, you know, alhamdulillah is a thing you say under virtually any situation. But subhanallah more often is said in, in horrible situations, blasphemous situations, terrible situations. That's when subhanallah is uttered, okay? Uh, there are other places to utter subhanallah also to express one's humility before Allah. That's also done. Um, but actually, just the declaration of subhanallah itself, you'll find in hadith literature and in Qur'an literature, it's done more and more in shocking situations or terrible situations. So here, a horrible thing has been said, and subhanahu. Now to remind you of the meanings of subhan, from sabaha, which means to swim, or to float. The idea is that we believe certain things about Allah, and we keep His grandeur, His wisdom, His knowledge, His uniqueness afloat. We say things about Him that keep Him at a certain level. And we don't say things about him that bring him below that level. We don't let it sink at all. You see? So that's the idea of subhanahu. And by the way, the way Allah's name and His attributes and His perfection floats, nothing else can float to that level. So there's two things in tasbih. In tasbih, you don't say anything about Allah that brings Him down to the level of creation. And also, you don't take anything about creation, you say things about them that make them sound like Allah. So one crime is to reduce God, and the other is to elevate creation. And we prevent both of them when we say subhanallah. So subhanahu ballahu mafis samawati wal ard. Instead, he alone owns whatever is in the skies and the earth. He doesn't have to pick and choose and then take a sun when he owns all of it anyway. All of what there is living or non. Lahu mafis samawati wal ard. Kullun lahu qanitun. Everything, all creation is submissive to him. Qanit is a heavy word. Alimsaku anil kalam. Qanit actually one of its meanings is when someone stops talking out of humility. That's qanit. Addu'a'u fi salah. Qanit is also when someone is pleading to Allah in the middle of their prayers. Al qunutu wal khushu'u wal iqraru bil ubudiyah. Qunut is humility. It's being in awe. And it also means someone who has now is willing to just fall fall into subservitude. Al qiyamu bil ta'a. When you stand and obey willingly, and there's not an ounce of eagerness to disobey left in you. Like willing and eager, that's actually qunut. وَقِيلَ الْقِيَامِ وَذَعَمَ ثَعْلَبْ أَنَّهُ الْأَصْلِ وَقِيلَ إِطَالَةُ الْقِيَامِ Qunut also means standing for a long time, like a servant or a guard standing in front of their king like this for a long time. They're in qunut, actually. They're qanit. Allah says every one of them is in qanit, is qanit before Him. كُلٌّ لَهُ قَانِتُونَ What is that a reference to? It's a reference to what you think that Allah has taken a son, meaning He took a prophet as a son, or He took angels as daughters, or whatever. All of these that you mention are people that are actually subservient to Allah already. Allah didn't have to bring them close to Him by declaring them His son. They're already in the ultimate subservience to Allah. كُلٌّ لَهُ قَانِتُونَ So, for what it seems to be is Allah is not making reference here to all of creation is has qunut to Allah. But those that you make shirk with, those that you associate Him with, are actually humble to Allah themselves. In other words, they shouldn't become the objects of your worship because they themselves are in worship to Allah. Kullun lahu qanitun. So now, and then He makes the argument about Himself, and that is, He doesn't need to you know, find those creative qualities in somebody so that they can match and then finally he can pass off his kingdom or take a son. بَدِيعُ السَّمَوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ The creative initiator of the skies and the earth. By the way, uh, what I failed to mention, 
There's a hadith narrated by Jabir radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Ayyu salati afdal? He asked, Su'il al-Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the Prophet was asked, which, which prayer is the best? Or which prayer is better? He says, Tulul qunut. The one that has the longest qunut. And it says, Yuradu bihi tulul qiyamah. What's it? What, uh, or qiyam rather. What he means by qunut is standing humbly. Meaning when you stand and recite Qur'an, the longer you can do that, that's the best kind of salah. That's what, and so he, instead of saying standing, he used the word qunut. Which is an indication of what the spirit of standing in salah is. You're supposed to stand with humility before Allah. So that's kullun lahu qanitun. Badi'u samawati wal ard ay mubdi'uhuma fahuwa fa'ilun min af'al wal ibda' ikhtira'u shay la'an madda. Actually means badi'u samawat, the one who creates without any ingredients. He creates out of nothing all the time. What could be more create, creative than creating out of nothing? Understand the, the human concept of creativity. When I create a, an architect designs a new building, or an artist makes a new painting, or you know, a chef makes a new dish, a new recipe, invents a new recipe or something, or an author writes a new novel, there was always something before it that was used as a basis to build off of. There was, like, there are, it's basically the same ingredients, it's a different mix of the same ingredients that we call creativity. Right? There's a little less sugar in this one, and a little more salt in that one, and there's a little ex- extra this, and, a little ex- and it's a new thing. But it's actually the same stuff. It's still, a building is still bricks. It's still glass. It's still steel. It's still a building. It's just the way that it's organized now, those, those existing components, the way that they've been manipulated is different. A novel at the end of the day, it's, a, it's an amazing novel, nothing like this has ever been written well. Parts of this are similar to some other story. Another part is similar to another story. Another part to another story. It's actually pieces of things that are, that are found all over or from the author's personal experience, which is also a pre-existing condition. <laughs> I call it a condition with authors. <laughs> you know? Creativity is actually a combination of fragments of things you've experienced. You know? And then you put them together in a way that's entirely new. That's what, that's what creativity is. When Allah calls Himself Badir, the initiate, the, 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 the one who's creative in a way without any previous ingredients. Like to give you an example, like I was really into, when I was younger, I was really into like alien movies. And they make all kinds of funny aliens, right? Tentacles and like eight arms or you know, all kinds of stuff. But they still in one way or the other have eyes and a mouth and okay they have eight arms but they're still arms <laughs> they still it's still some component of what you've seen and experienced twisted and turned into some other way and that, now that's that's an alien thing right allah azza didn't have any former blueprint when he created you and me or like mountains or oceans or fish or you know the scales on a snake or like, there's no there's no pre-existing inspired by this i made this you know, like my kids and I watch cooking shows a lot. What made you make this? Dish? Well, my grandmother, she used to make these cakes and I used to, you know, <laughs> like, okay. Super creative. It's from this memory that it's inspired by that, right? Allah is saying that He doesn't need anything before to create. He creates entirely new. The creative initiator of the skies and the earth. إِذَا قَضَى وَإِذَا قَضَى أَمْرًا and whenever he makes a decision, 
Whenever he's decreed a matter, فَإِنَّمَا يَقُولُ لَهُ كُنْ فَيَكُونُ Then all he says to it is be, and it comes into existence. فَإِنَّمَا يَقُولُ لَهُ كُنْ فَيَكُونُ Why would he need to have a son? Or taking a son, waiting for somebody to be groomed and they're ready. He can make whatever he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants. Why would you attribute such weakness to him? You know, فَإِنَّمَا يَقُولُ لَهُ كُنْ فَيَكُونُ You know, this ayah, uh, notice what's happened in these two ayat or two, two sets of ayat. First, you had people that are stopping others from the house of Allah. Allah is not being mentioned. When Allah stops being mentioned, confusion spreads. When confusion and ignorance spread, people can come out with claims like even Allah has taken what? Asan, and people will actually follow it because the masajid are no longer playing their role. If the masajid were playing their role, ignorance wouldn't spread. It couldn't spread. And so you have to remind people of who Allah is again. It's not an accidental sequence, you see. Allah is mentioning one of the worst forms of ignorance about Allah after mentioning that there were institutions that prevented Allah from being mentioned. This is a very direct logical connection here. What will happen in a... Let's go back to Muslims. Every time I try to go back to Muslims, right? What will happen in a Muslim society when the masjids no longer play their role. Will there be shirk and blasphemous stuff being said about Allah, crazy beliefs that are almost Christian, widespread in the Muslim community? Is that possible? Now you know why. It's all there. Like, Allah already said, this is what's gonna happen when you do this, this is what happens. This is not some surprising turn of events. The blueprints already laid out entirely. Sunnat Allah Allah created humanity a certain way. Allah created His laws a certain way. When you mess with His laws, corruption happens, and the corruption happens a certain way. You know, Inna arsalnaka bil bashiran wa And what's the solution to all of this? How do we fix this problem? How do we take people out of that depth of of, of misguidance? We have no doubt sent you with truth. And haq means purpose, it means truth. Others said, inna asalnaka bil Quran, al haq al Quran. We've sent you with the Quran, which is all the same. Quran is the purpose. Quran is the truth. Quran is the mission. And Quran, uh, you know, al haq, the idea of purpose means there's no deen, there's no worldview that will give you purpose like this book. And now that I've given you that, that, bo- that book, this hal, Bashiran wa Nadiran, could be a hal of haq, it could be a hal of ka. Which means, you have been sent as a giver of good news and a giver of warnings. And the truth that you've been given is also a truth that gives good news and gives warnings. So the Bashiran wa Nadiran could be about the haq, and the Bashiran wa Nadiran could also be about ka. Is inna arsalna ka. You know, so now, wala tusalu an ashab al-jahim. And you do your job, you just spread revelation. No matter how bad, you know, and how corrupt, you know, things get, you just continue to spread Allah's word, you won't be asked about the people of the flame. You just do your work. Now, here what I would like to share with you is how this, we're near the conclusion now, but how things have progressed. I told you there's a logical connection between the people who prevent from the houses of Allah and then ignorance like the son of Allah kind of thing spreading. There's another thing here. There's corruption and there's ignorance. Two great destroyers of Faith. Corruption and what? Ignorance. Where, do, where does the problem begin? Corruption. Because when corruption rises, then the doors to correct knowledge become closed, though that access is no longer there. And then what spreads? 
ignorance. We today, when we say we got to fix the problem of the ummah, we say the real problem is ignorance. Right? The Qur'an seems to be making a case, case that the fundamental problem is what? Corruption. And corruption leads to ignorance. The byproduct of corruption is ignorance. Okay? That's what we have to challenge first. And in the Qur'an, in this discourse in particular, this is a discourse, this, this is a discourse about a nation that believed, that had a book, and they messed up. And they messed up because of their corruption, and despite their book being in their presence, they were still became a people of ignorance. The, lead, the religious leadership was corrupt, the, ma- the vast majority was ignorant. That's what happened. That's what happened with the Israelites. That exact problem will repeat itself. If the religious re- enough re- religious leadership becomes corrupt, then the vast majority will become what? Ignorant. And so you have to fix both of these and tackle both of these problems and, and take them head on. And if you, and the only way, and how do you take them head on? What do you do? That's ayah number 119. That's what this ayah is. Don't be intimidated. I know this problem seems much bigger than you can solve. We've sent you with the ultimate truth. Just keep giving good news and keep giving warnings. Give people, give the masses hope and give the criminals warnings. People that have fallen into sin, have fallen into ignorance, have fallen, lost their way, give them hope, give them good news. And people that are the sources of corruption and think they're getting away with it, give them warnings. And if they don't change their ways, don't worry about it. You're not going to be asked about the people of Jaheem. Don't worry about that. You just do your part. You don't worry about, hey, they're not listening, they're not changing, things are getting worse. That's not your problem. You just do what you gotta do. Now the conversation comes full, full circle. Where this, this entire passage began is where it ends. It comes back to the Jews and Christians. Remember we started with the Jews and Christians? It comes to the conclusion the same way. Did I? Oh, did I? Okay, I skipped one. Sorry. Oh my God, big eye I skipped. My fault. وَقَالَ الَّذِينَ لَا يَعْلَمُونَ 118 I skipped, you're right. وَقَالَ الَّذِينَ لَا يَعْلَمُونَ لَوْلَا يُكَلِّمُنَ اللَّهُ أَوْ تَأْتِينَ آيَةٌ كَذَلِكَ قَالَ الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِهِمْ مِثْلَ قَوْلِهِمْ تَشَابَهَتْ قُلُوبُهُمْ قَدْ بَيَّنَ الْآيَاتِ لِقَوْمٍ يُقِنُونَ Those who have no knowledge. Who are the people who have no knowledge in this passage? There were Jews and Christians, and then there was the people who have no knowledge. Who are they? Mushrikun of Makkah. Those people who have no knowledge, they say, لَوْلَا يُكَلِّمُنَ اللَّهِ How come Allah doesn't talk to us? Why do we have to listen to you? God is all-powerful, He can talk to me directly. أَوْ تَأْتِينَ آيَةً Or how come no miracle comes to us? كَذَلِكَ قَالَ الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِهِمْ There are people that came much before them that said exactly the same thing. Exactly, and exa- I'll highlight the word exactly because the word كَذَلِكَ and then مِثْلَ قَوْلِهِمْ is hammering it twice in. It is just like this, that those who came much before them said exactly the kinds of words they're saying. مِثْلَ قَوْلِهِمْ تَشَابَهَتْ قُلُوبُهُمْ How close their hearts are. They're so the same as the ancient peoples that came. They're saying the same thing that Fir'aun said in the nation of Hud, and the nation of Salih, and the nation of Shu'ayb came thousands of years ago, centuries ago in some cases. And yet their hearts are all connected because they say exactly the same thing. By the way, notice Allah didn't just say their words are the same. He said their what? Hearts are the same. Before, He mentioned you have, your real problem is arrogance, which was in the hearts. Now He diagnoses the hearts again. Because He can. 
Their hearts are the same. And by the way, don't you ever think that you have done, the Prophet's not done enough to convince them of Islam, or the Qur'an is inadequate in its proofs and things like that. We've already clarified the ayat. We've already clarified the miracles and made them abundantly clear. For who? لِقَوْمٍ يُقِنُونَ For a nation that's actually looking to be convinced. Arabic students take note, قَوْمٍ is nakira, and يُقِنُونَ is a fi'il mudari, which means it's a sifa. And when a fi'il comes as a sifa, then it actually is naqis. In other words, naqis in meaning, in other words, not a nation that is convinced, a nation that is seeking to be convinced, that is trying to be convinced. It's something missing in the verb. لِقَوْمٍ يَعْلَمُونَ قَوْمٌ يَعْلَمُونَ is going to mean a people that want to know, or trying to know. قَوْمٌ عَالِمُونَ is something else. A people who know. A knowing people. So لِقَوْمٍ يُقِنُونَ Allah is making a comment. You think the Qur'an or the Prophet hasn't been given miracles? The Prophet has been given miracles, but these miracles are only going to be obvious to those who are looking to be convinced. People that are looking to criticize, who have a problem in their hearts, the shabahat qulubuhum, their hearts are similar, they're just making claims like this because they don't want to accept it in their hearts. They just they have no appreciation for revelation, they just want to you know, make fun of it. Those kinds of people, this book has nothing to offer them. But people that are looking to be convinced, their hearts will just, they'll just crumble before this book. They will humble themselves before this book. وَفِي هَذِهِ الْآيَةِ جَعَلَتِ الْيَهُودِ وَالنَّصَارَى مُمَاثِلِينَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ لِلْمُشْرِكِينَ This ayah compares them, the, the Jews and the Christians, and puts them in the same place as the mushrikeen. Because previously, they were the ones criticizing the Prophet ﷺ. Now the mushrikun, like they, you're not doing much different. لِأَنَّ الْمُشْرِكِينَ أَعْرَقُ فِيهَا إِذْهُمْ أَشْرَكُ مَعَ اللَّهِ غَيْرَهُ فَلَيْسَ وَلَدًا لِلَّهِ بِأَكْثَرْ مِنَ الدِّعَاهِمْ شِرْكَةَ الْأَصْنَامِ مَعَ اللَّهِ فِي الْإِلَاهِيَّةِ فَكَانَ الْيَهُودِ وَالنَّصَارَى مُلْحِقِينَ بِهِمْ So yeah, mushrikun, how are they that different? You guys say Allah has taken a son, they have idols that, that worship Allah, you know, that they worship besides Allah. You're in the same category when it comes to doing shirk. So that, that's why they're put next to one another. But the thing that I wanted to highlight here is, you know, in the beginning, the criticism was, nobody's going to heaven except Jew and Christian. And we said, bring your evidences. Now they're turning the table, the ignorant are turning the table and saying, if you gave us evidence, we would accept. How come Allah doesn't talk to me directly? That would be pretty clear evidence. How come you don't show me a miracle? That would be pretty clear evidence. But the Quran, is say, Quran says we already did. I already showed you proof. I don't have to show you anymore. What proof did Allah already give them? That Allah says I already showed it to you, I don't have to show you anymore. It's actually the fact that the, both the message and the miracle has been received in the form of the Quran. Look at what the Prophet says, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. مَا مِنَ الْأَنْبِيَاءِ نَبِيٍّ إِلَّا أُوْتِيَ مِنَ الْآيَاتِ مَا مِثْلُهُ آمَنَ عَلَيْهِ الْبَشَرِ There was never a prophet that Allah accepted. that Allah gave them some miracles, the likes of which had never been seen, and the people as a result believed in that prophet. وَإِنَّمَا كَانَ الَّذِي أُوْتِيتُ وَحْيًا أَوْحَ اللَّهُ إِلَيَّ And the, the thing that I have been given is the revelation that Allah revealed to me. فَأَرْجُوا أَنْ أَكُونَ أَكْثَرَهُمْ تَابِعًا يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ And I'm hoping that I will be the, mo- the one with the most followers. Of all the prophets that were given miracles, I will be one of the one of the most followers on the day of resurrection. Why? Because the revelation he's been given, the miracle that he's been given lives on. It doesn't die with Musa alayhi salam. It doesn't die with Isa alayhi salam or leave this world with Isa alayhi salam. His lives on. فَالْمَعْنَى قَدْ بَيَّنَ الْآيَاتِ لِقَوْمٍ Allah is saying, we've already clarified these miracles. The, the, the overpowering nature of the Qur'an has already become clear to them. 
You know, I, I interject so much explanation as I'm talking to you about these ayat. These guys were getting hit with the ayat directly. One after the other, after the other, after the other. And these are people that appreciate powerful speech. That's all they have. The way they got hit with it, you would just have to just sit there and go, that's not human. That's just not human. Like you, you realize the Prophet ﷺ, he spoke to them for 40 years. He, know, he communicates with them all the time. Then Qur'an comes down and he starts speaking Qur'an to them. Can they tell this is not how he speaks? Like if I, was, if I memorized something and said it to you, wouldn't you be able to tell that's not my speech? Immediately? And usually when you're saying something else, you can come up with some, memorize some quote somewhere and say it once, twice. Eventually people will catch on, where did you get it from? The Qur'an keeps coming, and keeps coming, and keeps coming, and keeps coming. And they keep, where does he get this from? Who's around here that's giving him this stuff? Like they're baffled, there's no, no escape, but this is revelation. Because anybody else, yes, you can speak not like yourself, but you'll sound crazy. You'll just sound insane. This is the height of wisdom, insight, history, law, theology. It's like, it's everything that, you, every bit of human inquiry in, in, in the phrasing. And then every phrase so rich with wisdom and beauty. And then on top of that it rhymes and it's got its music on its own. Its own music, its own divine music. Like, Allah says, I've already clarified to you. For people that are willing to be convinced, they could just sit there and listen and that'll be enough for them. That'll be enough for them. Jinn, for God's sake, jinn would hear the Qur'an and say, Inna sami'na Qur'anan ajaba. We heard a unique Qur'an. What have we just heard? And jinn are pretty international. I would argue intergalactic. Right, they hear lots of stuff. And they heard Qur'an and they were just like, what is this? We haven't heard anything like this since the you know, Unzila bin Ba'di Musa. We haven't heard a book like this since Musa time. That's what the jinn said. Isn't that something? It's so epic. That they were just baffled by what they heard in the Qur'an. I, I, don't get me started about the jinn, because what you learn about the jinn in the Qur'an, and their, their relationship with the Qur'an, is so powerful. I'll just say one thing, on tangent mode. Tell you one thing. You know, the, when the Qur'an came, Jibreel a.s. came, and he had a following. Okay? So, muta'in thamma amin. He has a following. So it's like this document, Qur'an is coming, so it's coming with legions of angels behind Jibreel. Like the security detail. It's the most classified document in the universe is coming from the seventh heaven to Muhammad Wasallam. You know when important documents travel, there's lots of security? Jibreel don't need no security. But even then Allah sent like legions of angels. And then how many skies are there? Seven skies. What Allah did is He locked down six of them. He locked down six of them. And the jinn who used to be able to go, were shut down. They couldn't even go into the first sky. Even this, actually the seventh sky was locked down too. So they used to, jinn used to have some spots in the, in the skies and you know, out in space where they hang out. And they're trying to go there and they're getting shot at with meteors. Like we can't go to our usual spot between Pluto and whatever. Like they, they can't go to their, their normal hangout spots. They're like, what is happening? Why can't we go up into the sky? And all the jinn are stuck on the what? On the earth. 
Because they can't go into the sky. This is this is their story in Surah Al-Jinn, by the way. They're like, we don't know what's going on. It's, and since the entire skies have been locked up, and the only thing open to access is what? This world? Either this world is about to end, or something amazing is happening. Something's happening. We don't know what it is. We don't know what's... Is there some great catastrophe about to hit the earth or some good is coming? You know when they said that? They heard the Qur'an, the Prophet and Taif, they heard the Qur'an being recited. And they said, Oh, this is why it's shut down. This is why... Oh, I get it now. Oh, we get it. Okay, okay, okay. Now it makes sense. <laughs> That's what was coming. Qur'an was coming. So when they heard it, they were just in awe of, you know, then they understood why the entire skies were on lockdown. Can you imagine like that same Qur'an and these jinn are hearing this for the first time and they're like, they, they couldn't move. Allah says, فَلَمَّا حَضَرُوهُ قَالُوا أَنْسِتُوا So amazing. They were passing by, if, you know, uh, what is it? إِذْ صَرَفْنَا إِلَيْكَ نَفْرًا مِنَ الْجِنِّ يَسْتَمِعُونَ الْقُرْآنِ We made a group of jinn pass by you. And they started listening to the Qur'an. Like a group of guys passing by, they kind of overhear something. فَلَمَّا حَضَرُوهُ when, when they found themselves in its presence. Look at the language. When they found themselves in its presence. قَالُوا أَنْصِتُوا They said to each other, Yo, shut up, I want to listen. And when it was all done, they rushed back to their nation, became warners of the deen, became preachers of the deen. So amazing. So, so amazing. That was the effect of Quran on jinn, man. And this was in the language of the Arabs. This was in the language of the Arabs. They, they heard this stuff and they knew. So when they have the audacity to say, how come you don't give us a miracle? How come nothing impressive has come down yet? Allah says, I already have. I don't need to explain myself to you. For anybody who wants to be convinced though. You never think that you have anything missing. We've sent you with Al-Haq. There's nothing short of Al-Haq in what you've been given. You just continue, Bashiran wa Nadiran, wala tus'alu an ashab al-jaheem. You keep giving good news and give warnings, and the people that are stubborn, that don't want to listen, you're not going to be asked about them. وَلَن تَرْضَى عَنْكَ الْيَهُودِ وَلَن نَصَارَى حَتَّى تَتَّبِعَ مِلَّتَهُمْ Arabic students here will tell me, لَن تَرْضَى عَنْكَ How many people is ka? One person. The Jews and the Christians will not be pleased with you. How many yous are here? One person. It's talking to the Prophet. When you apply this ayah and say, oh, this means us. Brother, the Qur'an says, the Jews and Christians will not be happy with you. Uh, it's first and foremost talking to who? Our Messenger, By extension, it's talking to us, but that's a huge extension. Let's understand that. Why won't they be happy with you? Hatta Until you will follow their religion. Milla is one of the Arabic words for Religion. It's actually mala comes from mala also, which means to be inclined towards something, to have a soft corner towards something, to have a place in your heart towards something. Of course, our religion is also called deen, right? But deen refers to dealings in the religion, right and wrong principles, 
ethics, that's deen. But milla is actually the emotional part of our religion. What we have affinity to. That's why our attachment to Ibrahim salam is not deen abikum Ibrahim, it's milla tabikum Ibrahim. The, you're the milla of your father Ibrahim, meaning you have an emotional attachment to your father Ibrahim salam. They say, they will not be happy with you until you follow their milla. But how many millas are they? Jews and Christians. How many millas is that? Two. I was expecting Allah to say, They're both their religions. Jewish and, Judaism and Christianity. He says, like it's one religion or one affiliation. He started by uniting them in the beginning. He ends by uniting them. Millatahum. He puts them together again. The Prophet will tell us, Al-Kufru Millatun Wahida. Denial of the truth is one religion. It's all one religion. It looks different, but it's all one thing. It's all shades, it's, it's sides of the same coin. That's all this is. Now, let's dig a little bit deeper and understand that the Jews and the Christians are actually different. And the Quran makes them different here. لَن تَرْضَ عَنْكَ الْيَهُودِ وَلَا النَّصَارَى There's لَن and لَا There's neither nor. So Allah did separate them. Then He combined them. So let's separate them first. Do the Jews want you to convert to Judaism? No. So what does it mean that they want you to follow their religion? They want you to follow your religion the way they follow their religion. Keep it to yourself. Make whatever changes you want. Does it doesn't matter what you know? So long as it's not you know coming after us, we're fine. That's their religion. That's their religion. There is there is no stable morality or principles because anybody can come along and make a change. I mean, I've had conversations with Orthodox rabbis about this stuff. Yeah, God gave us an intellect, and that means that we can make a decision about what is right and wrong for our times. Yes, some things may not be kosher last year, but they can be this year. It's fine. And that actually becomes the Word of God. It's the same as the Word of God. Wow. That's like so shirky. Your Word is the same as the Word of God? Really? Yeah, because you know, He authorized us to do that. (laughs) You know? That's what the, the Jews would like to do. They'd like to see you become much like them. The Christians would like two things. Some of them would like you to convert. That'd be awesome for them. Or if not, then at least become a religion which essentially has no laws. It just has general morality and then you just get to do whatever you really want to do. You have a free lifestyle and it's some spiritual teachings here and there and otherwise you're fine. If that's their millah, then there may be a concerted effort by some people, if this, this ayah is still alive. There may be some concerted effort, funding, you know, um, support, you know, from certain entities in the Muslim world to make sure that we either look like what the Yahud looked like, or look like what the Christians look like. And support efforts that keep us looking that way. Keep us looking like we're just inner factions. Like, like what does it look like when the Ummah looks like the Yahud? You know what it looks like? They're just, they're so obsessed with their differences and their scholarship and their, they become this world in and of themselves where all they care about is their academics on top of academics, on top of academics and their 
their pa- their national pastime is just refuting each other and they're just busy with that and the world is burning around them there's no conversation about justice or equality or you know oppression you can forget all that stuff leave all that stuff alone all the social injustices can be aside religion is now about the differences of opinion about how something should be recited or you know what, what how do you fulfill this ritual or that ritual or fiqh differences that's islam that's the debate what kind of chicken let's just do that you know and that's actually study what Jews do study how they they operate in their religion you see you're like that's not so foreign and on the other hand have some brand of religion which has nothing to do with law nothing to do with Islamic law or sharia it's just I'm Muslim because I feel it like it's in my heart and you know I celebrate that about myself and let's just spread that version of Islam Water it down, get rid of everything else that's practical. Just make it into the spiritual thing. Which is similar to what? Nasara. They won't be happy until one of these two things happen. I would read this argument as not only, they won't be happy until you convert to Judaism or Christianity, but they won't be happy until Islam looks like Judaism, and Islam looks like Christianity. Until then they won't be happy. And when you read it like that, you'll see a lot of that around you in the world. (laughs) Like you'll see efforts to make Islam look like Judaism or Christianity. And to keep it that way. قُلْ إِنَّ هُدَى اللَّهِ هُوَ الْهُدَى What's the answer from Allah? Tell them Allah's guidance is the ultimate guidance. You know what will keep us from going المغضوب عليهم and الضالين What will keep us in the middle? The guidance of Allah. That is the ultimate, ultimate guidance. Our loyalty has to be to the book of Allah. As I conclude this passage, uh, one more ayah left. I, I do want to highlight this point. I will make this point a thousand times and it won't be enough. So if you've heard me say it before, I don't care. Because this is, this is the heart of it all. When Allah says, Allah's guidance is the ultimate guidance. You know the words used for the Qur'an in the Qur'an? One of the words used is light. Nur. قَدْ أَلْزَنَا إِلَيْكُمْ كِتَابًا وَنُورًا مُبِينًا Right? We've sent a book to you and a clear, a clarifying light. Qur'an is also called Mubin, clarifier. Not just clear, but clarifier. What is the purpose of light? It clarifies things. If there was no light in this room, it would not be clear where you are and where I am. Isn't that the case? The other thing about light. Light is not what you see. Light is the way through which you can see. I don't see light. I see because of light. You understand? Light is not seen. Light helps you see. Quran is light. Quran clarifies. Quran is not clarified. Quran actually clarifies. You don't look at something else and through that lens, you say, I'm now I'm gonna understand the Qur'an. Qur'an will determine what you will understand. Qur'an is at the heart of all the study of Islam. How will I understand the seed of the Prophet Through the Qur'an. How will I understand the sunnah of the Prophet Through the Qur'an. How will I understand the law of this religion? Through the Qur'an. The Qur'an will be the light that sheds itself on all of these subject matters. You know what we've done in Islamic studies? We actually take everything else and shed it onto the Qur'an. And then we say, now we must understand the Qur'an this way. Because this quote here, or this history here, you cannot understand history. Qur'an will help you understand history. It's flipped because Allah calls it what? Nur. Clarifier. Not the clarified one, the clarifying one. <laughs> it's, it's not what you shed light on. It's what shed lights on, sheds light on all else. When you put the Qur'an in that place, and you know somebody who hears me say this will say, oh this brother doesn't believe in sunnah, or doesn't believe in this, or doesn't... 
you know what? Say what you want. I don't have to explain myself in reaction to somebody's claims. I'm, I'll explain myself in reaction to my, my own convictions. Why does Allah say, Kalimatullahi hiya al-ulya? The word of Allah is in the supreme place. The word of Allah lies supreme. What has happened in the mind of the Muslims? In the mind of the Muslims, when they hear an ayah of the Qur'an, or a quote of an imam, or the, 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 the quote from like some, some fiqh text, or a hadith of the Prophet or a statement of a sahabi, all of it's just Islam. I think it's in the Qur'an. No, I think it's a hadith. I think it's a scholar who said it. Do we do that or no? And when you do that, have you put the word of Allah on the same plane as everything else? While Allah says the word of Allah lies supreme. That's what He says. He says it's light. We even, our, our study of history, no brother, you can't understand this ayah until you understand the seerah. I'm saying, bro, you can't understand the seerah until you understand this ayah. The sahaba couldn't understand what was happening until the ayat came. Think about that. They were in the seerah and they didn't get what was happening until Quran would come and say, you know, قَدْ بَيَّنَّ الْآيَاتِ لِقَوْمٍ يَعْلَمُونَ We're clarifying the ayat. This is what's going on. Nobody can, like, like hadith of al-ifq. I teach it all the time now. The slander of Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha. 30 days of hell for the Muslim community. 30 days of that slander. What does Allah say? لَا تَحْسَبُهُ شَرًّا لَكُمْ بَلْ هُوَ خَيْرٌ لَكُمْ It's not bad for you, it's good for you. If anybody else said it's good for me, like, what are you crazy? This is good for me. Quran comes and says, you've experienced this, let me shed a light on it that only Allah can shed. This is good for you. This is good. That's what I mean by Quran at the center. Inna hudallahi huda. You will find extremes. You will find people becoming, they look at the entire religion through law. The entire religion is law to them. Nothing else. It's halal, haram, mubah, this, this, this. That's all of religion. There are going to be some people who come around, the entire religion is spirituality to them, it's nothing else. Everything goes back to the, it's a matter of the heart. That's all it is. And you'll quote some beautiful poetry, some incredible insightful spiritual texts, some, some great works like, you know, the, uh, theological works. For some people, the entire religion is through a book of, like a text. The, you look at the whole thing through this manual. I'm saying there's one manual that Allah already gave through which you're supposed to look. It's called the Fatiha, it's called Baqarah, it's called Ali Imran, it's called Nisa. Its purpose is that it, it, it's the lens by which you see the entire religion. We created multiple lenses. And you meet people, you'll find in two conversations what lens they look at Islam from. What is the lens they've put on that they see Islam from? Putting the Quran in this place does not mean you reject the rest of the deen. What I argue is, putting the Qur'an in this place, you know what it does? It puts everything else in the proper perspective. Because only Allah can put things in the proper perspective. I want to study hadith, badly. I do. But when I study the Bukhari, for instance, as a student of deen, how is it organized? The genius of Imam Bukhari, rahimahullah, he organized it. Kitab al-Tahara, Kitab al-Iban, like there are chapters, right? Who organized these chapters? He did. This subject, I'll collect all these hadith. This subject, I'll collect these. This subject, I'll collect these. Isn't it? It's a it's an ingenious curriculum. Who organized the surahs of the Quran? Whose curriculum is that? 
Who organized these ayat? That's Allah's curriculum. Should it have? I'm not saying don't study the Bukhari. I'm saying should there be a priority here? Should there be a priority? Is this not what we call it? Like, you know, when I hear the Prophet's own words, says, the day of judgment will be near when knowledge disappears. And the Sahaba were shocked. Knowledge will disappear? وَكَيْفَ يَذْهَبُ الْعِلْمُ يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ How will knowledge disappear, Messenger of Allah? وَنَحْنُ قَرَأْنَا الْقُرْآنِ وَنُقْرِئُ أَبْنَاءَنَا وَأَبْنَاؤُنَا يُقْرِئُونَ أَبْنَاءَهُمْ We read Qur'an. We make our kids read it. Our kids will make their kids read it. The Prophet didn't say Qur'an will disappear. What did the Prophet say? He said knowledge will disappear. Sahaba, when they heard knowledge, what did they think? Qur'an. Qur'an. Because everything else will come in place. It'll fall into place. That's what the book does. It gives balance. You know? This is the lens that has to be restored. When that, when that relationship, when that genuine relationship with the Qur'an is restored, you'll find salawat will become better. Our love of the Prophet ﷺ will increase. Our understanding of the sunnah will be inspired. You know? And our, our allegiance, our loyalty to be, will be like nothing else. You know, like... People come to me and say, you know, you never talk about loving the Prophet I'm like, actually I do a lot. You will not find a nasheed better than Qur'an. You will not find a praise of my Messenger better than his Qur'an, this, Allah's Qur'an. You will not. You will not find a more spiritual text than the Qur'an. I would challenge you. I would, and, and anybody dare say otherwise. I would, I'd love to take them up on that. What what does this book what is this book missing? What is it missing? You know what we've done, and, and I'm talking not to the general masses right now. I'm talking to Islamic studies students. We've taken the secondary text and put it in the primary position. Study the primary, study it exhaustively, and then in its lens study the secondary. Have regard for tradition. Study the deen. Study it the way Allah intended it. Inna hudallahi huwa I said all of this because of this phrase. Allah's guidance, that is the guidance. <laughs> That's the thing to follow. And if you were to follow their whims, even after knowledge has come to you, you're not gonna find any aid, any, any protective friend, any aid against Allah. If you fall, Allah will come after you, the Prophet is being told. You let go of Qur'an and you see. I will come after you, you won't find any aid to help you against me. The Prophet is being threatened, Sallallahu Rasulullah Sallallahu is being threatened. Don't let go of Qur'an. What are their ahwa? And by the way, in the beginning it was, they, they, they want you to follow their religion. At the end I was expecting Allah to say, and if you follow their religion, then I'll do this, this. Allah didn't say that. Allah said, if you follow their whims, you know why he said that? Because their religion basically is just their what? It's their whims. He made an equation in this ayah between millah and ahwa. And we have to make sure that our religion is never ahwa. Not, the, not like the ahwa al-Yahud and not like the ahwa al-Nasara. We have to make sure our religion remains pure of that. This is the instruction given directly to Rasulullah My question becomes, if Rasulullah is threatened with such harsh language, about not letting go of Qur'an. Do you think this applies to us? Like, people say, people have the reverse thinking about this. Oh, it's, it's about the Prophet, so 
it's not about us. I'm like, if Allah is not willing to spare even His Messenger when it comes to this priority, where do you think we stand? <laughs> where do you think we stand? This is serious business. Then look what Allah told you know the Israelites in the previous passage, when they, when they were refusing to come to the Qur'an, they, were, they wanted to hold on to Torah. What did Allah say to, him, to them? أَلَمْ تَعْلَمْ أَنَّ اللَّهَ لَهُ مُلْكُ السَّمَوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَمَا لَكُمْ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ مِن وَلِيٍ وَلَا نَصِيرٍ If you don't come to this Qur'an, you won't have wali and nasir. That's what Allah said to the Jews in the last passage. It's the same exact thing being said to who now? Rasulullah wasallam. Even you, hold on to this book. فَتَكُونُوا إِمَاءٌ إِلَى تَمْهِيدِ نَسْخِ إِسْتِقْبَالِ بَيْتِ الْمَقْدِسِ Some said, you know, this ayah also, if you were to follow their whims, because a big challenge is coming, the qibla is about to be changed. And then you're going to be put to the test. Because they're going to challenge, they're going to question you, how can you change the qibla like that? You know, how can you change the direction of prayer? How can this be the right religion? You're saying the God of Israel is no longer interested in Israel? You know, that's what the Bible calls God. You know that, right? We, we say Rabbil Alameen. They have Rabbi Israel. All over the Bible. All over the Hebrew Bible. You know, you barely find God of the worlds or Lord of the, Master of the universe and like things like that. You don't find that. What you find is God of Israel. Lord of Israel. So when you don't, if you take emphasis away from Jerusalem, it's like their entire view of God has just been shattered. They're going to come after you. You know? And so Allah says, don't worry about that. That's not going to be a big problem for you. You don't follow their way because even among them, you don't have to convince all of them. الْكِتَابِ This is our last ayah for the day. Those who we actually gave the book to, يَتْلُونَهُ حَقَّ Those who we gave the book to, read it the way it deserves to be read. Meaning there are among the Jews and the Christians, those who read even the Bible the way that it's supposed to be read. They read it sincerely. أُولَٰئِكَ يُؤْمِنُونَ بِهِ They will believe in it. Meaning, when they come, when they hear Quran, it's gonna, it's gonna click right away. It's gonna resonate. Don't you worry. There are people that are, they love what they have in the, in the Torah and the Injil, and they've been digging and digging and digging for the guidance, and Allah guides their hearts to what is good in the Bible, and He keeps opening their hearts to it, and when they hear this Quran, they'll immediately believe in it. Because they will hear what their hearts have been, they've been longing for. They'll read pages and pages of the Bible and find no guidance. And there'll be something that hits them. Because that's still some, some remains of what Allah revealed. And it gets to them in their fitrah. It hits them in their heart right there. Then they hear Qur'an. And they don't have to wait for pages and pages and pages to find that one thing. What happens? Every ayah just, whoa, 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 wait. This is it. This is what I was looking for. أُولَٰئِكَ يُؤْمِنُونَ بِهِ Whoever doesn't believe in it, whoever denies it, they're the ultimate losers anyway. Don't worry about them. That's not your problem. You just recite the book. This, this ayah means that they follow, they, know, they read it like it deserves to be read. That this is a reading that really captures every, every, every fragment of their heart. That everything is considered, they pronounce it properly, they contemplate in its meanings, they take care of what it forbids and what it commands. Sufyan al-Thawri rahimahullah said, يَتَّبِعُونَ حَقَّ اتِّبَاعِهِ 
they follow it like it deserves to be followed. And he would interpret this ayah, He didn't interpret it as they read it like it deserves to be read. He interpreted it, they follow it like it deserves to be followed. And that's important because the word tilawa in Arabic could also mean following. Walqamari ida talaha. The moon as it follows the sun. Talaha. Same word. The reason reading is called tilawa is because your finger and your eye follows the text. So the act of reading is the act of actually following. That kind of line by line reading, that's called tilawa. Okay? So the idea of tilawa here, they don't just read it, they actually follow it too. Some said that this ayah is about uh, the Yahud who had, uh, or actually not Yahud, the Abyssinians, 40 of them have come after Jafar anhu had given his, his, his uh, presentation at the Abyssinian king's place. Word spread about this prophet and 40 Abyssinians showed up, Christians showed up, wanting to become Muslim. And when they came, Allah said, these are people who read the book like it deserves to be read. So some say this is actually a reference to that group of people that had come you know, from Habasha. وَيَجُوزًا يَكُونَ اِعْتِرَاضًا فِي آخِرِ الْكَلَامِ لِبَيَانِ حَالِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ الصَّادِقِينَ مِنْ أَهْلِ الْكِتَابِ this is what Imam Lusi says, yes, some people have looked at this ayah, those who read the book, الكتاب, those who we gave the book to, read it like it deserves to be read, they're the ones who believe in it, it's talking about the Muslims and their Qur'an. But he says, no, I feel that this is actually at the end saying, even among the people of the book, there are those who read the book that they have, like it should be read, sincerely, and they will find their way to Islam. They will believe in, in the book that, is, that Allah has finally revealed. And whoever among them still denies, then that's their loss. That, that there's something missing in them. فَأُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْخَاسِرُونَ بَارَكَ اللَّهُ لِي وَلَكُمْ فِي الْقُرْآنِ الْحَكِيمِ وَنَفَعَنِي وَإِيَّاكُمْ بِالْآيَاتِ وَالذِّكْرِ الْحَكِيمِ السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Our mission is to spread awareness of the message and divine beauty of the Qur'an across the world. Support our mission at www.bayina.org That's B-A-Y-Y-I-N-A-H dot O-R-G